Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 34. Today, we're going to bring you the repurposed hangout of the top podcasters, of the top WordPress experts across the country. And for example, today as guests, we have Dustin Hartsman and we have Kim Doyle. Kim and Dustin have the top podcasts on WordPress in the country. I think Kim is five and Dustin is number one. Also remember that you can go ahead and if you want to watch the Hangout Live, which is on YouTube, go ahead and press on the artwork, which is the big head on your iTunes, on your Apple, and up will pop a link and you can go and watch the YouTube, watch the faces go back and forth, watch the Hangout. So without further ado, let's get into this episode and enjoy. Welcome to WP Tonic Live. This will be episode 34 on the Repurposed Podcast. Jonathan, take it away. Introduce the panel. We've got a great panel today. It's all about, of course, social media and WordPress. Yes, um, Bill, um, we've got a great panel. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So we're going to let our guest panelists introduce them. But um, ladies first, the great Kim Doyle, the WordPress chick. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, I am Kim Doyle, the WordPress chick. Uh, coming in late at the last minute, but thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, you had some slight technical problems, but you, as normal, Kim, you overcome them. So that's great. So on to, um, I call him Mr. Mr. WordPress, um, Dustin from the um, Web Engineer Podcast. Go and introduce yourself, Dustin. Hi, yeah. My name is Dustin Hartzler, and I am from, uh, I guess I live in Dayton, Ohio, but I post a podcast over at yourwebsiteengineer.com and my day job is being a happiness engineer for Automatic. So I'm in the WordPress space and I get to hang out with uh, smart people in the WordPress world every single day. It's been a blast. I just love the title, Happiness Engineer. That's just a fantastic title, isn't it? Um, on to our, um, our normal panel. Um, so on to go ahead and um, well, Suzanne, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Sally Getch. I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup, and I have been wrestling with intractable problems in CSS today, uh, which doesn't put me in the best of moods. So uh, I'm looking forward to having all of you nice people distract me by talking about something else. And um, how's the cats? I, I saw on Twitter. They're both in the room, yes. And one of them just jumped on my legs and caused her sister to hiss at her. We look forward to them attacking you again. Um, yes, uh, well, I, I hope nobody uh, nobody ends up injured. Right, yeah. Um, on to David. Go on, David, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm David Lada. Uh, I organize the WordPress Orlando, um, both the conference and the meetup. Uh, I'm busy trying to prepare for WordCamp Atlanta this weekend, uh, heading out in the morning for driving up there. It is. I think most of you are on most of you are on the west coast. I'm on the east coast. So I'm a couple hours ahead of you. Thank, thanks for joining us because I know that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, John, would you like to introduce yourself, John? Yeah, sure thing. I'm John Locke, and I'm an independent WordPress developer, uh, and I do business as Lockdown Design out of Sacramento. Right, another great podcaster. Introduce yourself, Adam. I'm uh, hi. I'm Adam Silver. I'm just a friend of Dustin's. I stayed at his house last week. You know, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm Adam Silver. I run the South Bay WordPress Meetup here in Southern California, and I also blog and podcast over at KitchenSinkWP.com. Right then, thanks for the introduction. So um, we're going to have a general discussion. Um, we're going to try and keep it 
quick and sweet, get moving, and then um, spend about 20 minutes on that, 25 minutes, and then go on the main topic, which will be how WordPress and social media. Um, so basically, one of the stories I uh, put up was uh, around the new functionality that WordPress.org is doing around downloads, you know, showing not actually downloads, but also activization. Um, so I wondered if I could ask the panel, um, do they think this is a good thing? I think it is. And uh, were they surprised about what plugins were getting activated? I, 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 who Anybody wants to jump in? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Go on, somebody. So I'll say Sally, you got something? Um, I, I have something, but go ahead. I was going to say, I like the fact that it shows active installs versus just downloads. I think it's actually a little more accurate of what's going on in the space of the plugin itself. Especially if you're a plugin developer and you're charging for, you know, if you have a freemium model or a premium model, I think it's actually kind of cool um, to see what's really being active, what's being used versus just a download is a download. It's no big deal because it could be turned off immediately. So my two cents. I think it helps users, too, in terms yeah. of, you know, I mean, I, people always ask me in, in terms of, well, how do you know if it's good or if, it sh if it's going to work? And I always tell them, you know, the, recently it was, you know, look at the reviews, look at the latest time it was updated, you can look at the downloads, but I think it's awesome. I think it's going to help users determine, okay, people are actively using this. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, the, you know, the, the list published on, on PostDat wasn't that exciting or, or surprising, yeah. except, I mean, you know, I've heard Matt talk about, how, how many installs of Hello Dolly are actually live. Um, <laughs> but what I've found useful is that as I am working, if I need to install something and it's not a plugin I'm already familiar with, figuring out, in addition to how recently it's been updated, how many active installs there are. Because if they're still active, it probably hasn't broken anything, even if it's not, uh, you know, not hasn't been updated recently. Um, that has helped me decide like what to check out. I don't know how many sites um, are actually still active that have active plugins on them because you have the problem of uh, sometimes of you know someone starts a site and then never updates it at all, let alone even looks at that site again. Um, you know I don't know how many there are there, but I'm sure there's a lot of legacy plugins that at the time somebody installed them and was using them and then for whatever reason just ignored the site. Uh, yeah. So I don't necessarily think it's the best thing, but it's it's better than what we've had. Yeah. The, other, the other question real quick is, what if it's a premium plugin, for example, a backup buddy that you can, you have a license for, you can, you know, authenticate multiple sites, unlimited, we'll say, where is, is, is that being counted through repository or no? I mean, it's just, it, there's that slight confusion, you know, which I noticed because I have a handful of sites, I was looking at iThemes and, uh, or Headway even, and it shows that I have them on these sites, and four of those are gone, but they're still licensed for that site. I need to deactivate them. Not that it matters, I have unlimited, but still. I wonder if that's, really, if that's showing up a repository. I would assume not. None of the, uh, I don't see a single premium, or a single one that isn't in the repo up there. Right. At the very least, I would imagine Gravity Forms would have made that list. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's all I'm done then. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit interesting to go by actual active installs instead of downloads, because you can see on the list uh, before all in one SEO has more downloads than Yoast, but with the updated stats of showing how many active installs there are, you can see uh, certain plugins uh, that have less downloads actually have more active installs. 
and that's one of the cases right there. Yeah. What do you think, Dustin? I think it's a good change. Um, it's you know you, we used to use that that number of downloads, you know, the 24 million downloads for Contact Form Seven, but in reality, like. Um, that doesn't help anything. It's been it's been talked about here before. But how often do you download site or download plugins and never use them? How many times do you um, click that update button? Because updates counted in those old downloads, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Like there were some you know some unusual stats that just happened. I know that I looked at my plugin. And it's like oh I have I forget how many downloads I used to have or active in, or the, yeah the downloads from before. And then when it shows that there's only a handful of active installs, it's like okay that makes a lot more sense. Because um, I really didn't think that there were hundreds of people using my plugin. It was just because I created it and I wanted it for me. And um, so I think it's it just gives you a better idea of how many people are actually using it. So. Uh, I've downloaded your plugin 75 times just because. Because <laughs> he wanted to skip the stats. Bumping the stats. <laughs> the other thing yeah. that I really like, though, in the refresh is just the the ability to see how many people are running old versions, which I think is kind of a neat thing. Like, it's not necessarily super useful for a developer. There, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Like, you think, oh, there's this many people running the old version. Like, how do we get them to update? And um, it's just kind of some interesting information that I think is really cool. Yeah, there were good points, Dustin. I, I personally, myself, I, I think any improvement, I actually think it is a you know great improvement. I think they could do a bit more, but I think it's on the right track. And the more information, the more detailed information that's available, the better it is. But I've also listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of people that are actively involved in commercial plugins and the rating system. Um, has kind of had some criticism, um, but it's a difficult area. What do you think, Adam, around how bad ratings can affect kind of semi-commercial plugins? Oh, well, for sure. I mean, I downloaded 75 times, but I only gave it a half a star each time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that bad? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, honestly... <laughs> I think that um, too many people are worried about ratings versus functionality. It happens in the podcasting sphere itself. If Dustin knows what I'm talking about. It happens in plugins. It happens in themes. You know, look for reviews. Look for someone who took the time to write a review or a comment um, versus just a star versus clicking a button. And at the worst, I mean, obviously, stay. I, I would stay away from on a live site that's big and important on something that's brand spanking new unless you know the developer. I mean, I trust Dustin's because I know him. But if I didn't know him, I wouldn't go and use that plugin for, for a bit. Or I would try it on a dev site, you know. Um, I think there's a balance there. You want to be careful. You know, you're going to you're gonna navigate automatically to the bigger, most popular ones because of, obviously, they have time behind them. They have more, you know, um, just more, they've been tested for, uh, more thoroughly, I guess, so... Right then, thanks. So I think we'll go on to the next. Um, I think we had some good stuff there. Um, go on to the next general story that really interested me. And I um, is a WordPress plugin. Can a WordPress plugin be a startup? And um, I actually think it's a. You know, we've interviewed some people that have actively built their business by plugins and themes. And, you know, got fantastic businesses now. So I would say definitely yes, and it's an exciting part of WordPress. So I just wondered, um, 
The plugin cannot be a startup. You can build a startup around a plugin, around a plugin business, around you know. I mean, if you're already doing services or something else as, as your business, and and you want you know, and you're going to start creating plugins, you could make a new business for the plugin or add them to your existing business. In which case, the plugin is definitely not a a startup. Doesn't mean you couldn't try doing something like raising funds to give let you build it faster. Um, but uh, you know, the plugin is a plugin. The theme is a theme. You can you can have it's the business model of uh, selling themes and plugins is is well established. Right. What do you think, Kim? Um, well, I kind of agree. I think to me, a plugin is a product. You know, at the same time, if you look at something in more of the marketing space, like take take Optimized Press. I mean. You know, or Gravity Forms, they've created a business around it. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it's a product. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a startup as well. But I've, you know, I've I've not developed any, and but I've had to, I've had some developed for me, and it's a ton of work. And so you start doing that, and you start selling a plugin. All of a sudden, you've got support, and you've got marketing. There's a lot that goes around it. But again, I think at the end of the day, the plugin is a product. And so then, if you're going to try a startup around that, what is the business plan for taking that further? You know, so. Um, I'm kind of ambiguous on it, but I, I, to me, it's a product. Right. So go on to the gentleman, Dustin. I yep. always try and get my guests. Go on, Dustin. Any views? I'm going to agree. Um, I think that it is. It's. I mean, it essentially been wrapped up. It's a plugin is not a startup. It's a product, and then you build your company or your startup company all around it. So um, that's where I sit with with this discussion. Yeah, I just want to point. Want to go on to anybody else? Is that my position is slightly different? Um, I think if it's a pure functionality plugin, um, yes, it, it's a product. But there's there's a there's a way to move this further on. Obviously, it's well known as a service plugin. When you're building a SaaS model, um, a subscription model on a particular form of functionality, and you're using a service plugin. I see that as more of a plug-in as a business. So uh, I don't totally agree with the previous statements, but they well, have the, the service you provide in connection with your plug-in is part of, you know, the whole thing is your business, which is your startup. So it may be partly services and partly and partly plug-in, but again, the, the, the plug-in itself is a clump of code. Yeah, right. What about Adam? Go on. What do you think? I looked at the repository. There's no plugins called startup. So left with some opportunity waiting. <laughs> just, there's there's WP start bar. There's 404 to start, but there's nothing called startup. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, you know just say yeah, it's part of a business model. It's not, you know, it's it's part of it's a product of a business. You know, um, not to say that and that's that. You know, and I'm done. All right, John. What about John? What was your feeling about the article? When, uh, when I read this article, I felt it was like really oversimplifying what a startup was. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had the you know great opportunity to meet Ryan Carson, and he told me, um, you know, a startup is basically you're looking for rapid, accelerated growth, uh, and doing a business at scale. And, and really that's the differentiator between like uh, a normal business and a startup. Um, 
And you look at WP Engine right now, they just got another round of funding. They're trying to grow at scale. Now, they have uh, a service that they provide, which is hosting. And, you know, they're trying to get a, as big a user base as possible. Now, what this article says about a WordPress plugin being a startup, and you can have 12 different plugins and 12 different startups, and you have a landing page with a logo, and that's a startup, I, I, it's greatly simplified. Um, if you had a family of plugins and you sold uh, a subscription to the whole family and, and you could figure out a way to be profitable minus uh, the support issues, then maybe you could have a startup, but, but you need the scale. And there's very few plugins in the WordPress ecosystem that have that sort of scale. Yeah, they're great points, John. Um, what about you, David? Uh, I mean, I think most of the topic's been um, covered well. I can't, I can't think of a good example of one that would be itself defined as a startup. I mean, I could say, I mean, besides so you can push her off top, I'm thinking Swift type was one that um, I remember becoming popular because it went through Y Creator, but they, uh, you know, have a whole business built around it that's outside of just their WordPress plugins as well. Um, yeah. I can't think of any good examples of one where I'd say, oh, that is definitely a startup, unless you're thinking of a company that uh, is focused specifically on one plugin. You know, you may know Rocket Genius, but really you probably only know them for one tool, Gravity Forms, for instance. Yeah, I think the actual, I think what John said about the article is totally, it was simplistic. It was just, there was tones that, um, it wasn't exactly the article that I found fantastic, but it was just around the culture of building up a business through WordPress. But, of course, there are problems with that because of the scalability of how far you can take that in WordPress. So it kind of swings around about, really, isn't it? But that's why I brought it up. Um, I think the same question applies. I mean, the, very, the final question that Sarah asked at the end of the article, what are you missing before you can call it a startup, is the same thing that would apply here, or... The same thing could apply to pretty much any company. At what point can you say, yep, this is a startup, or no, this isn't a startup anymore, or, you know, did it ever become one in the first place? Um, you know, I, I do service business. I wouldn't consider what I do a startup because I'm not doing a SaaS model or any of the other, you know, fun acronyms that have come out uh, to try to scale to more users than I can personally take on. Yeah. Well, um yeah, I, I see. You. I thought it was you, panel. I thought you brought some fantastic stuff there. Um, I just want to go to the next story, which is about um, Kickstarter. You know, if you've got a project that would benefit the WordPress community, what are the um, and you need resources? Um, do you think? kind of setting it, you know, publicizing it and trying to raise some capital through Kickstarter is a good way because I sent you an example of one that um, was publicized, probably wasn't handled that well, but didn't reach its target. And what do you feel about this whole exercise of um, trying to build plugins or services that would help the whole WordPress community and try and finance them through uh, something like Kickstarter? Um, what about Kim? What's your feelings? Oh, Kickstarter's great, but Kickstarter only succeeds if you're going to be able to market it and get enough people to that, you know, 
what is the what is the end value? It's like always what is the problem that you're solving? Or you know, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys saw the recent success of I think it's Exploding Kittens. You know, the oatmeal they they hit a million dollars within like an hour. It was crazy. But so you know, I think is Kickstarter the right platform for uh, you know something that solves a problem in the WordPress community? I don't know, you know, um, but Kickstarter to me, it's going to succeed based on what you're doing to drive people. And it just doesn't seem like the WordPress products get that type of marketing attention or, or you know, the sharing to the same degree to raise that type of money necessarily. Um, I think Kickstarter is a great platform. And, you know, if it's solving a problem, then absolutely, I'd be all over it. But I think you kind of raised a point that, um, you know, you, you chose something that they raised all that money so quickly. Uh, they could have raised a lot of money really quickly even if Kickstarter didn't exist. It helped make it more fluid, like uh, mm -hmm. the transaction was easier. Here's a place, here's where you give money, here's what you get uh, to make those pre-sales. Um, but, I mean, I, well, the new Pebble, theirs is about to end, I think, tomorrow. They're at $20 million or something sure. now. They blew through that record pretty quickly. But yeah. they're known, I mean, they, they hit the record the first time around. People already knew they wanted it. They're just basically doing pre-sales. If you go look at Kickstarter now and type in WordPress, it's going to be uh, one, very few um, projects in the first place, and two, even fewer that got anywhere close to what they were looking to get. Because uh, the ones that do really, uh, the ones that are really successful, the ones that you hear about people talking on the news, um, reading Rainbow recently, Pebble, Exploding Kittens, what are some of the other big ones recently? They're ones that they already had a big built-in audience. Um, if one of the if one of the bigger plugin makers who already exists came out into the Kickstarter, I'm sure they'd raise the money. Uh, but that's because they already had people to reach out to. Yes, that's a real that's well put, David. It's kind of um, it's a shame, really, but it's just the realities of the situation. It's kind of perversion of the of the for the reasons of something like Kickstarter in a way. Perversion is probably too strong a word, really, isn't it? What do you think, Dustin? So. Um, I feel that they could have done a great job with a large audience already on Kickstarter. Um, but the way that I feel about WordPress, and this just story goes back a couple years, and I don't know exactly when it happened, but re the community at WordPress, like if you give something to the community, if you contribute to the community, like people are going to find ways to reward you and give back to you. So I don't know if you remember a few years ago, remember when the new um, Mac towers came out, those little black you know, towers? And within, I don't know, a day or two, they had sent Chris Lemma one just based on the fact that he's super helpful and people donated little amounts of money to him so that, or, you know, as a, as a campaign to give him a computer because he gives back so much to the community. If these folks, and, and honestly, like, I didn't see even the crowdsourcing, I didn't hear anything about Version Press until, you know, a few minutes ago when I was reading this article. And so, like, for me to be involved in the WordPress community day in and day out and not hear anything about it, um, I think it sounds like a good project, and I'd be interested in learning more and finding out more, but I never heard of it, and it didn't just come through my WordPress circles that I hang out in, so I think had these guys created something that was a kind of a minimal viable product type of a deal, put it out in the repository and let people start using it, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I want this feature, and I want this feature, then they could say, hey, I want to, we're going to create this premium product and we're going to charge for it, but we're going to first start by asking people who are already using it um, to donate us some money or, you know, pay up front for the plugin and then you'll get it in three months or whatever that looks like. So I think it, it's, it just needed, I think they needed more of a, um, a, more of a backing before they actually went to Kickstarter. 
Yeah, great, great stuff. What about you, Adam? Got any thoughts? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. It's there's a uh, the methodology. It's it's, it's the subject. Right, before we say that, if anyone wants to send me a laptop or money towards a new laptop, <laughs> hey, you know, I'll just start small. I'll take a new laptop bag, okay. um, <laughs> or just a backpack. And it, it's works. going to you tomorrow. Yeah, Tor 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 Tortuga makes one I really like a lot. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you have to try it out. Um, I think Dustin's dead on. He's right. He's right. I mean, there's a philosophy. Dane Sanders, I think the foundation they do it that way as well, where you can go to a company and say, "Let me solve your pain. What's that worth to you? You know, put something out first, possibly, and then come back and ask for if you want different versions or different updates. You know, whatever. Then you can make some uh, additional uh, monies. But the way it was, it just it just didn't work out this time. I mean, not to say it's a bad idea. It just didn't. Work. I'm not. I'm not going to overthink it. I think what Dustin, I think Dustin, um, what you said about it was really quite insightful. I think it. Um, I think in general, it's not a bad idea. I just in that particular case, it wasn't handled the best way. But you know, it is what it is, isn't it? Um, I want to go on to the final, and then we'll get on to the main topic um, about SEO, WordPress SEO, and you know, the security um, flaw that was found. You know, obviously this happens and this is, you know, can happen, you know, happen in Jetpack, happens in many. Um, I think the bigger question and um, are there a group of plugins that are, that are so kind of almost put on almost every site that they become, um, but they only got very volunteer, very small teams is it really better that they became, you know, there was some process that they might actually become part of jet? <laughs> just going to say jetpack, or or be, have the, the re, larger resources, or is the present way things are done the, you know, the only way they can be done? Because um, I think, you know, it was handled really well. Um, but will there become a plugin where it's not handled very well and that could really damage WordPress? Um, what about Kim? Go on, Kim. What do you think? Uh, yeah, can you phrase a question? So you're just saying should WordPress SEO be part of Jetpack? Or is that, was that the question? Yeah. Um, I mean, um, it's such a popular plugin and there's a group of really popular plugins. Can they be just left to the actual developers? to be expected to support them? Well, <laughs> that's probably a developer question, but you know, I look at it with, with Yoast and you know, they, I mean, what they put out to the community is huge, but it's not his business model, you yeah. know? So, you know, unless I, I don't know, you know, I'm not expert enough in, in the freemium model and how this works in terms of the ROI that the developers are gonna get for this. I mean, they contribute a ton um, and you know, so, Personally, I, I don't know how, how I don't know how it could get so, it would get so big to me, right? If you start pulling in all these plugins that are getting supported at a core level, as opposed to you know the individual developers, um, I, I think that the individual developers and the companies that do those plugins like Yoast probably, it, to me, it just seems like it's a it's a it's a smarter move for the user in the end. Yeah. What about you, Sally? Um, one thing I have observed uh, is that. The larger the team, the less efficient it is. 
I mean, you know, theoretically, all of these plugins are open source, and anybody who has a patch can can submit one. But um, if you want automatic or somebody to oversee, you know, the the, the security or whatever, uh, you know, to do code review on it, to do whatever whatever with it, they're going to have to hire some extra people. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like Yoast patched this up pretty fast, and there have been popular plugins with security vulnerabilities. You know, you probably hear about one at least once a month, and the internet has not come to an end. <laughs> no, true. What about you, David? What do you think? Um, slightly off topic, but playing off the yeah, the internet hasn't come to an end uh, with any of these vulnerabilities these plugins have had, even though some of them uh, have gotten to the point where. I mean, heck, I'll just think of, say, Tim Thumb, where even their owner has to, uh, you know, disavow them and say, do not use my thing anymore. Stop <laughs> using it. So they have to actually put up pages on their website to tell people, stop using this old thing. Um, we, most, of what, most of what I know about the story is, uh, is people feeling uneasy about the fact that, or most of the non-positive stuff is people feeling uneasy about the fact that a plugin uh, had the auto-update. Um, you know, that it was pushed without me giving it consent to push an update to my site. Uh, I'm only hearing that from uh, from developers, basically. I'm not hearing that from anyone else because I think the average user probably didn't even notice anything happened. You know, I'm betting most people have no idea there was a security flaw or even that there's versions to the software that they're using. Um, they just got on their site, it was updated, and okay, away they went. Um, Trying to trying to phrase it more than just pointing that out, uh, you know, pointing pointing that thinking out. Uh, no, if if there is a problem, um, as long as it's not actively, you know, taking down hundreds, thousands of sites that people outside of our little bubble of uh, of WordPress community people notice, I don't think it's going to uh, cause such a problem that say uh, gives more of the bad name like oh WordPress is insecure or anything like that. Right, right. Well, what do you think, John? Uh, I think that in this case, they kind of had to push the update. Uh, Yoast is one of the, uh, you know, installed on most, uh, one of the top five plugins yeah. on WordPress installs. And so I think they were within their, um, you know, they, they made a reasonable decision there. Um, and to be honest, there's like a lot of plugins that have a lot worse vulnerabilities than Yoast or the WooCommerce uh, one, and both of those were quickly patched. Uh, I would be more concerned uh, about the thousands of themes out there that uh, are not, you know, being updated by their owners, um, you know, with, with uh, themes that have the plugins bundled. Um, I think that's a much bigger threat. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, actually, I think you put a good point because I was listening to WordPress Weekly and they were saying about survey, about the amount of clients that don't even have any kind of backup apart from their hosting provider, and it was mind-boggling. And it's like a different world, you know. Um, I kind of spilt my coffee when I heard that. Um, um, what about you, Dustin? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, we're drawing this really fine line with what we can what we can manually push out 
automatically or manually automatically does that doesn't make sense um, but what hosting providers what services what people can automatically just update the software for you I think that it does a really good job and it, it's very helpful for a lot of people to just automatically get the newest version of stuff but on the other hand it's almost like they're holding your hand and like they're just doing and making those updates for you so um, it's really kind of hard to think about and and I don't really know which side of the camp I fall onto because I'm like I'm the guy who wants to read every update like every time there's an update I want to read the change log and see what's happening I want to make sure that there's nothing that's really gonna break my site or you know I always install locally first and then I push my updates to my live version just in case there's anything problem I keep it on version control so in case there's a, a snafu I can easily roll back like there wasn't a case like this I had to roll back because you know it fixed the security flaw but um, you never really know and so I just I don't like that I like I like the concept of being able to push out auto updates to people who probably would never update or wouldn't update for months and months and months but then on the other hand I don't like that ability that you now have given your hosting provider that ability to push a button and auto automatically deploy changes on your server so um, those are my thoughts yeah, it's um, exactly the same, actually. I kind of oscillate. I think you put it really well, Dustin. What about you, Adam? Ditto what he said. <laughs> oh, all right, that's great. Uh, we're finished with that topic. So we're, we're moving um, on. Go on. Go on. Got anything else to say, Adam? No, I really don't. I mean, it's, um, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I actually had a little yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs. That's all right. Go on, anybody else want to go on Oh, <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> go on, David. Say something more. Go on. I, I, think, I think it's important, um, again, uh, you know, again, Dustin, you are definitely a power user far above 99% of the people who use WordPress. Uh, so you, you, you know to make those changes. You know why they're important. You know why it's important to... You know, test things on staging for Project Live. You you have a lot of things that um, that the average user doesn't know. And if we keep talking about uh, wanting to make WordPress easier for uh, the end user, so that more people will adopt it, I think it's important to make it easier to help them out. Uh, multiple, a few times this year, I've had to fix sites and clusters of sites uh, that have had problems that have been hacked due to uh, having a Revolution slider installed because it came from whatever theme they bought from certain theme websites that bundle plugins um, or, or other ways that they got it. And I have to, I have to go in and fix these. I would, uh, I, would, I would like hosts to know, okay, this thing right here is a problem. I don't want this thing on my server. I think it's important for the hosts to do that because they want to protect their brand and reputation as well. Um, you know, we don't own server. Well, most of us don't own the servers we're putting things on. We're basically renting space on them. Uh, and so we have to do our best to tidy up and do our own upkeep and everything. But when it comes to maintenance, we call you know whoever our maintenance company is. In my analogy of renting a house, this is your hosting company. Um, I would I would be fine with the hosting company saying this plugin right here definitely is a problem. Uh, it's going to compromise not only your site but everyone else's site. So we're just going to get rid of it. Yeah, greatly put, Dave. Um, so I think we go on to the main subject of the evening, that's social media, WordPress and social media. And I just want to put the first question out to the panel and then probably ask Kim to comment first about it. And it, it's, um, you know, WordPress started life as a, as a publishing platform and also a community platform 
you know, you've got BuddyPress, um, you've got the forum at the core of WordPress, but I'm one of them, and also most of my clients switch off the forum functionality. And uh, I think some of this is that um, it's hard to maintain, it gets a lot of spam, and also a lot of people now see social networks as a kind of forum. So um, are forums really kind of dying a slow death, or is it something a bit more than that? What do you feel, Kim? Well, it depends on the customer. I, you know, most of my clients or anybody that I work with, you know, they've, they've got an online business and, you know, personally, I would never maintain a forum. I don't have the time, you know, that, that, that goes into moderating a forum. And so it's a lot easier to, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, whether it's through a mastermind or clients are setting it up or through a course, because it also allows a much easier, you know, you've got the thread right there where people can follow in the feed a conversation or questions that are happening. And so... To me, it's, you know, just not having to log in. And if you're on social media frequently, you know, it's, you're, you're there. You see everything happening. So it depends on the client, I think. You know, personally, I, I wouldn't touch a forum. I, I just don't, don't have the time to moderate it. And so I think going into that, it, it's totally going to depend on the business and the users and how that forum serves them. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel, Sally? Do you think it's what Kim's outlined, but also is it the kind of mechanisms of moderating they become a bit, they need improving? What do you feel? Well, anywhere that you have community, you have to have moderation. So somebody is going to spend time doing the community manager job and you know, whether that's you know managing a LinkedIn group or a Facebook group, um, or a BB Press forum, or a Full Buddy Press install, or a you know Google Plus community. Any of those things, if you set them up, somebody has to manage them. Yes. So it, that part, you know, the the fact that if you add functionality to your site, you add maintenance responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you add that kind of thing anywhere, you add maintenance responsibility. In terms of whether somebody wants a forum on their site, it really is an issue of the, the client's needs. Sometimes they say, well, everybody is already on Facebook. We want to do all that stuff over on Facebook. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's, a, a, you know, a site where you're, you've got a service or, or a product that you're offering support for and you want a support forum on your own site. Yeah. Great. What do you feel, Adam? Yeah, you know, I know of probably half a dozen groups, businesses that um, had forums at one point, masterminds almost, and they switched them all off and went over to Facebook, plain and simple, or Google+, Plus, which is even more rare, but more Facebook, because it's just easier, plain and simple. Um, I helped one of them. I had one myself, and I still would run it. I mean, I had a, I had a mastermind. I ran it on a, my own subdomain as a P2 install. worked fine. And... I only moved us to Facebook because we disbanded, but we wanted to stay in touch. And we're always on Facebook, you know. So I could take down the subdomain. I just haven't yet. I don't want to. I feel painful if I take that down. Um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of maintenance and you know, ease of use. The only issue is if, 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 and not if, but when Facebook goes down the five times a year, two things happen. A, work gets done, and B, you can't connect to your group. <laughs> so... Um, I just want to put this to Dustin. Um, I tell you, you know, part of me agrees with Adam, 
But um, there's another element to this, Dustin. You know, Facebook owns, you know, you publish, publicize it on Facebook. It's Facebook's. You know, you put it on Twitter. It's Twitter's. You know, if it's on your site, it's yours. That's that's a big difference, isn't it? But um, is it the does the forum maintenance and supervision that's required needs a bit more work from um, automatic and is it a mechanical thing or is it or is forums fundamentally dying? Do you think, Dustin? Uh, personally, I think the forum structure is dying. Um, because of the fact, like, I love the fact that forums live on your site, you own the content, if you want to modify it, you move them, you know, do whatever, you own it. Um, but one of the, 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 the primarily horrible things about how forums work is, and I've experienced this, I'm in a, you know, a, a monthly group that has a forum post, and you have to know that you have to subscribe to get new to topics. Like, most of the time you don't think, oh, I should go over and check that forum to see what people are talking about. Like if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, like you'll see that those communities that are on social media, like you will see that content when you log in. Like I'm in a you know a private WordPress group. You know when I log into Facebook, it will show me those posts every once in a while. They'll come right to my email. There's no like setting up like um, with a forum. You have to go and say subscribe to all new contents and then or all new you know forum posts. And then if you want to subscribe to a thread, then you have to subscribe to that personal thread. With these social media updates, they basically, um, these these companies have set it up so you it's like auto-subscribe all the time. So you get every update. You may get way too many, but you're not going to be missing out on the conversation that's happening. I know before I set up the, you know, the RSS subscribe, whatever it was for this forum, like I was never remembering even to go in and look at it. Now I get all the posts come directly to me and then I can decide do I want to respond, do I not, and then I can engage in that way. Right. What do you feel, David? Uh, I think the form might be dying, but not necessarily for the same reason everyone else is saying. Uh, one, ease of use is a big problem, um, but you can get over that a bit by having someone who's uh, knowledgeable to manage it, um, using social media to log into it to make it you know, more fluid transition between the two. A lot of those things. I think uh, the issue is more that other places have uh, done forums, but have made them a one-stop shop. So not only do you not have to go check uh, Facebook to see that there's an update because you are, you know, as we said, all on Facebook 24-7, um, but you can check all of the groups that you're a part of on Facebook. Uh, if you're a Reddit user, you can be part of a group about one topic but also about, you know, a completely different topic but in the same place. Uh, so there's less, there's less movement that you have to make. Um, as far as uh, forums for... Um, you mentioned the... Or I'm sorry, uh, you didn't mention, uh, Dustin mentioned that you know, he, he doesn't have to go find these things that they come to him. Um, that's the same way most companies are thinking about it now. They realize we have to go to where our customers are. So instead of making them come to us, unless it's a company that's behind the times and has you go submit support tickets, uh, you know, that's the only way that you can get in touch with them, um, they will come to you on social media if they're a good company and keep track of it. <laughs> Or with some companies, they don't even check their own forms, and then you tweet angrily at them, and they respond within five minutes. I also get that, too. That is awesome. Yeah. What about you, John? What do you think? Um, I think overall, forums as a whole are dying, but I think individually there are a lot of places that have very active forums. Uh, there's, like, a lot of membership sites that yeah. build the community first, and that's what makes their forums successful. 
I think if you just set up a forum by itself, it's really hard to maintain. But each of these things, like a forum is a community, and those things are, a community is an organic object that can change, and it does change over time. Um, there's a lot of forums that started on Facebook as groups and then moved over to dedicated sites as part of a subset of, of a larger membership site. And there's some forums that start on Facebook and stay there because that's where the people that are part of that community are comfortable being. Um, I think if you really want to start a forum in 2015, you have to do some advanced work. And whether that's uh, writing a blog, doing a podcast, and building a community around that content, and then launching a membership site uh, around that community that you've built, and then build the forum into that, that's one way I think that you can have a very successful forum still. Yeah, and actually, in the, just off of that, what John said is, I believe 48 days, you know, um, what's his name? Dustin, what's his name? Dan Miller. Dan Miller has a podcast, has a website, has products and services. And 48days.net is the forum. It's where people chime in and they go and they help each other. So mm -hmm. saying that exactly that. It's, it's very true. But I'm, just, I'm starting this year, I'm starting a new bulletin board system, a BBS, dial-up to WordPress. <laughs> Get that on Kickstarter now. Yes. Yeah. 24, I'm, I'm going to limit it at 2400 BPS. Nothing faster. Yeah, right. right. So, so uh, Jonathan, do you listen to 48 Days? Um, I have, yeah. No, not yeah. Jonathan. I meant to say... Uh, um, yeah, who listens to 48 Days? That's interesting, Adam. <laughs> I love the book. I have the book, too. I mean, it's totally working for me. I've gone through it twice, and I still have my crappy job. So I'm going to put this and then ask Kim to answer it. You know, um, Kim, you know, would the, I'd like the panel to give the input about how you feel you can, you know, your experience of using social media to help build up your own business. What are the key things that you've learnt? And also, do you feel that most clients use it effectively? And have you used it on reflection as effectively as you could? And I'll throw that to Kim first. What was your feelings? That's kind of that? a big, big question. <laughs> well, there's, uh, oh, <laughs> there's a lot in there. Let's take a little bit then. Okay. Uh, you know, for, for me, I mean, I've been on social media, I don't know, like seven years, but it's I've, I definitely kicked it up a couple years ago. Consistency is key and engaging. You have to communicate and be ready to engage there, you know, and so I've got someone that helps me now with it because I can't, there, there's just no way I can show up in all those spaces, but because I also do Facebook advertising, I, I tend to be on Facebook more. I'm in some groups there. Um, but it's pretty amazing to me. I would say one of the biggest things that's working, I, I'm floored with Facebook video, the reach that I get. I can post a video, and within minutes, it's got a reach of 100. I've got, you know, 50, 60 views, like, in minutes. And wow. so that that traction is phenomenal. It's working really great for me. Um, so I'm going to keep testing that. You know, YouTube came out with cards. They're getting rid of the annotations. So... You know, it's it's just fascinating. I look at the stats and I look at where I've got maybe more male followers and people connecting on Twitter, or I look at who's following me on Facebook. So it's I'm just trying to pay attention to what content is working on which platform. You know, so it, it's key. I, I, I think for me, social drives more than than search. 
You know, it's how I show up. And even testing, you know, with like with the podcast. When I started the podcast, it became one of my top traffic sources in four months. It, it just blew me away with that. And so then I started saying, okay, well, maybe I should start doing, and I've only done a couple, but a video. And so I post a video that I've got a new podcast episode coming out, and that's working really well. So, um, you know, you have to find, to me, you, you have to find that place where you can show up consistently, and I would focus that. But it's key. I think it's hugely important. What do you think, Sally? Um, you know, I've used, I use social media for a lot of things, and I don't know that in any way I could quantify whether, whether and how it's brought me business. I have noticed that in the past six months to a year, uh, work finds me. Um, but a lot of that is, and some of that is, is about um, actually the meetup. That pe people I have encountered because I ran, run the meetup end up referring work to me. Okay. All right. What about you, Dustin? What what do you what's your feelings about? Because I, I've seen a lot of the kind of WordPress community. They they're really into Twitter, but they don't seem to utilize the others. Um, is it a really effective way to bring business if you're in part of the WordPress community? And if you're a client, you know what some of the things you would that's worked for you and how you use it. Yeah, honestly, like I agree a lot with what Kim said. <clears throat> like I think social media works really well if you have people that are following you and paying attention to what you're saying. Um, on the other hand, like I found a great amount of success when launching I, when I launched my podcast four years ago because I was in the business of developing websites for people. I wanted to do anything that they needed help with. And while I didn't know what the, um, while I was like teaching people on a podcast exactly what to do, they still came back to me to, to hire me to do things because they didn't want to do it themselves. They didn't want to try to figure it out themselves. And so it worked out for me that I used the social media to tell people about my podcast, but the podcast was what really drove people back because they could, they could know and like me and understand who I was just by listening to my voice week after week and that consistency. Um, there was a lot of times that I had to tell people, like, oh, it's going to be three or four months out so we can get you a project. They're like, it's okay. You know, I trust you. And that, I mean, that just says a whole lot when I don't know a lot of these people that follow me. There's a lot of times... I'll go to WordCamps and go to different places, and people will come up to me. I've been recognized just by my voice before. People will say, hey, I, I knew that you were here, but I didn't know where you were, and then I heard your voice, and you know they were able to meet me and whatnot. And I mean, it's it's absolutely awesome and, and cool and humbling and all at the same time like that we're able to just use um, the medium that works well for us and make that uh, give that let that be our platform because you know I'm I'm okay with Twitter like I forget to use it sometimes like Facebook I'm rarely on but I know that for me consistently getting behind the microphone each and every week like that's the best way that I can grow my business and my brand just continue to give value to the WordPress community. Dustin, real quick question. The key word which is consistently. Yeah, Dustin, you're number one on the WordPress search on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, he is. That's not a question. So in four years, no, no. So here's a question. But in four years, how long did it take you to get there? And what was what was your uh, increase in number of listeners every year? Have you increased every year? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, 
I don't know. I forget when I kind of moved to that threshold. So there was a while that I was, you know, I just got started. Then I moved to number one. And then I was like two, three, and four, like kind of just bounced around. And honestly, it's the consistency. And it's the, I feel like for me, like I'm not one of those guys that at the beginning and the end of every show, like ask for five-star reviews and come over to iTunes and, and tweet about the show. Like I rarely, rec I, I mean, maybe three or four times a year, I might remember to say, hey, leave a review on iTunes. But yet there's still 160 plus reviews on iTunes because people just find it helpful and they head over there. Um, but the consistency is huge. Like I haven't missed a week. I come out every Wednesday. I haven't missed a week since December of 2010. And so I make that my utmost priority. Like that's the number one thing that gets done every week. Whether whether or not I can think of a show topic, you know, sometimes it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm recording before it comes out at five, you know, just because I couldn't think of a topic that week. Um, but I think for me, it's all about that consistency. It's just all about, um, that's something that I really strive on. Like I haven't missed a week now in, you know, 220 plus weeks. And so I'm not going to miss anything. Right. And, and consistency is, is the key to a, a loyal network and the network is the key to the, to the success of your campaign. My husband has spent basically 18 hours a day for the last year building a network. He launched something uh, and because of his network, you know, he had 20,000 visitors in the first 24 hours. Um, and enormous spread. But, you know, this wasn't like, oh, he built the site in two days and look what happened. No, it's he built the network in a year and look what happened. Yeah. What about you, David? What, you know, if you're working with clients and they ask you, you know, how do I fit WordPress with social media, what are some of the things you say to them, David? Uh, well, I mean, besides the obvious of making sure whatever is going on to your site is being shared with social media and uh, probably whatever going in social media is being shared back on your site. Um, admittedly, I don't put a lot of a lot of focus on it uh, just because there's a certain there are certain clients who certain networks work better for them um, that I've seen that, that there are certain things that I can't see to say, hey, you are. Um, oh, I have some clients who are lawyers, and I'm not going to say, hey, you should you should. Uh, start an Instagram account or something like that. Um, and it, it's good to focus on the specific ones that work best for them. Obviously, you know, Facebook is much more uh, general purpose because almost everyone's there. Um, but even even that, there are certain things that I would, you know, caution them on posting, especially for clients like that when they might have legal issues depending on what they're posting. Um, or it doesn't matter how much it can get them more followers if they're going to get sued for it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. What about you, Adam? Is there anything that, because you, you're very heavily involved in social media, are there anything that so you... So my, my day job, I am a director of social media marketing for a company. Um, it's, but that, it's so specific in that niche that I'm in, um, so I can't use that as a comparison to what I do in the WordPress side. In the WordPress side, you know, the key is consistency. I mean, case in point, I've been at mine for 56 57 weeks now. I record on weekends. I might come out and say, hold on, Dustin's totally getting me. I close the window. <laughs> that sucks. Sorry, everybody. Totally side note. <laughs> <laughs> totally just send me, send me a message. Whew. Um, 56, 57 weeks. Oh. <laughs> you know, oh I don't know what's happening with Jay. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally wins tonight. Anyway, so, so, machine here. so uh, literally, I mean, I, I teach the WordPress 101 class, and I tell people in my class, if you're going to have a blog as your landing page, blog. 
If you're not, don't land on a blog. You know, make that I mean in my photography life, my blog is the last tab on my my navigation because I'm lazy. Last time I blogged was October. So the key is the consistency. And no matter what, it takes time. Dustin's number one because he's been around one of the longest. On that list of the top podcasts in if you type in WordPress, you know, half of them or more than half are gone. You don't make it past episode seven is the theories, you know, that Cliff Ravenscraft says. Seven, ten, twelve. If you don't find more things to talk about for seven weeks, whether you know weekly or bi-weekly, you don't have the passion behind it. And I'm with Dustin sometimes. You know, like I sometimes like, okay, what am I gonna talk about? It's better when it's current and relevant and stuff. Um, I'm recording tonight or tomorrow morning before San Diego Word Camp. I'm leaving tomorrow for um, be sick at work tomorrow. <laughs> um, I feel a migraine. Come on. Anyway, it's a matter of hope he doesn't listen to this show. Um, <laughs> You What's know, like his email thing? address? We can send a link yeah. right now. It'd be, a blessing, it'd be a blessing in disguise. Anyway, so you know, it's just a matter of you know knowing that you want to do it. It should never be a task. Blogging, podcasting, Twitter, any of the social media aspects shouldn't be like, oh, I have to do this. Once you do that, you need to find a different outlet yeah. to build your audience. Like you know, because they could, they'll hear it in your voice. Simple as that. They will hear it in your voice uh, or in your typing, etc. Hey, by the way, I. Kim, Kim, you're number five today. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. um, get out there. <laughs> I'm going to ask John, but I just want to ask a quick question to Kim. Um, you did a couple of podcasts that were very detailed about your mythology when it came to social media, and I was really impressed with the detail. And I think it's something... Do you Would you agree that's one of the things that people fail? They don't realise... That you've got to have a real structure, uh, you know, look at your figures, renew your strategy, move forward. You know, you, I was really impressed what you said in a couple of your podcasts. Would, do you think that's the thing that a lot of people miss out when it comes to social media, Kim? I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss out in business. <laughs> you have to look at all your numbers. You have to look at all your traffic stats. It's not necessarily fun stuff, but, you know, anything – that, that you're going to be spending time and energy to drive traffic to, whether it's a blog or a podcast, you should be paying attention to it. So, you know, it's, it's really important. And that's why I spend more time on Facebook because of the traffic I get back from it, you know. I, and, and so I pay attention and I put more energy into those things. I'd love to tell you it was a stellar strategy, but um, it's really just been fo more of a focus over the last couple of years. But anything you're going to do, you should look you at have, those numbers. You've got to put numbers in. you got to put time in. The other thing is mm -hmm. I like Twitter better than Facebook in the sense that it's immediate and responsive and it's right then and there. Facebook people aren't always on. I mean, I'm always on. It's part of my job, and that's what I don't probably do much on, on a personal level. It's hard to be everywhere, like Kim says, but some, you try to do the best you can. And, you know, it's just a matter of engage where you want to engage and where your people, your audience will be, you know. And um, Twitter does so great I, work camps. So. What, do you, what do you think, John? Uh, a lot of what has already been said is true. Uh, oh, I made most of it up. Yeah. <laughs> Social media is, um, you know, you have to choose what platforms you think you're going to do good on, and each business uh, is is geared toward a different uh, platform. There's uh, Facebook is more general purpose. Um, for me, it really doesn't do much. I've I've not got a lot of return out of it. I've gotten a lot more return out of um, LinkedIn, Instagram, and and Twitter. That, but you know, some businesses they might get a lot more reach out of, uh, say, Pinterest and Facebook. 
but you have to know your audience. And again, the the other thing is you have to to publishly, you have to publish consistently. And I think a lot of people give up too quick, and especially with local businesses and small businesses, and even people that I've seen on the web, they quit way too early. Uh, whether it be writing a blog, doing a podcast, or um, being present on social media because they don't get an immediate return. Even launching a website. People launch websites in WordPress.com or .org, and they go, here I am, and they got no business. Well, that's just that's step one of, of like 25 more steps to do. Yeah. And two to well, three years of hard work. Yeah, I think um, Kim put it quite well in a couple of your podcasts, Kim. She said, you know, half the battle is, you know, deciding you're going to be there. You can actually do it, do something, be there. Um, you yeah, that Stephen to... Pressfield mentality, right? The, the yeah. war of art, that you just you show up and you do the work. You know, and doing the work sorts the men and women from the boys and girls, doesn't it? So just, uh, a real, just a real quick side note. So Dustin's currently number one, Kim's number five. I had my, my own leg on my podcast. All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'm, I, um, I'm looking at him. Where are you? It's number 19. 19. All right. Um, <laughs> I, first time I've ever counted. I've never gone on the way I looked until – Somebody sent off an email last week, but I just looked just now. I counted them over, like whatever. I'm like I, to me, it doesn't matter. Honestly, well, you I don't, I, yeah, I don't yeah, you got stats. that whitewashed outlook. You were a pyre last week. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I slept well last week. Now I can't sleep. Thanks a lot. I'm out. <laughs> Jonathan's well, coming um, back up. WP Tonic. Yeah, Tonic. The um, um, I would really like to thank my panel. Um, I'm I'm going to have to excuse myself because I've got a prior important engagement with investors which oh. I cannot miss so um, uh, have we got any um, questions from the chat room at all um, Bill? Yeah, we had uh, one person chat in, I did tweet out like the 4,000 people and we also saw that on the chat room where I, I could embed the uh, feed all right, there we go. But I'm gonna I'm gonna leave um, things in the great um, hands of my co-host Bill and I'm going to excuse me, but I would personally like to thank Kim, Dustin, and our normal panel. I, I actually think this has been a really interesting discussion. We've kept on topic, and I think our listeners will get something from this. But I sincerely thank you for coming on the show, Kim and my Dustin. Pleasure. You've been great guests, yeah. and thank you, my panel. I am, Sally, a bit disappointed that your cats ha haven't appeared. Oh, I'm sorry. We can do something about that. Oh. Oh! Nice. The, uh, I, I, I'm a, I've gone mere cat potty, so I'm into cats. Panel. Um, Just so you know, Dustin and I both did meerkat a little bit behind the scenes earlier in the show. Oh, there you go. I'm always on meerkat. Well, thank you for that, Sally. Goodbye, folks. So Jonathan's, Jonathan's out. We'll all finish up on one last question, I guess, is a good way yes. to do it. Perfect. I've got to go. For me, I've got to go set it up. We have the state gymnastics uh, this out here in Reno, Nevada, so i got to go work in the uh, rodeo and set it up <laughs> tonight. That'll be a long night. So hey, one quick question to everybody as you uh, finish up. What do you think is your best advice to give to someone who's out there with a, a WordPress, trying to get into WordPress, trying to do it as a living, what would you say for them to do uh, to go get work and and also tie in a little bit of social media? And that's how you finish up, and we'll uh, go through everybody once. Adam, we'll talk left to right and start with you. 
Um, join, your local join your local community. Join a meetup, first and foremost. Yeah. Be part, build. Don't go, I hate to say it this way, I won't say it that way. Just join a meetup and participate in the community, first and foremost. That's a good advice. I'd second that and go, go to uh, join your local WordPress meetup. I would say also go to a local business mixers, uh, do local business networking, uh, so people see you and know what you do and, and see your face, because otherwise they might not uh, find you. Right. So you're, you're looking at the local scene. Um, yeah, you can, you can go to boards, like uh, job boards too. I mean, that's one way to do it too, for sure. Let's see, is it David's next? Um, I mean, I'm going to echo, of course, uh, going to your local meetups. I would add on something. I think Adam might have been about to say it. Um, not sure. Uh, but don't just go and just, uh, or in, in my mind, something that turns me off is someone coming, hi, I'm you know, new here, give me work. Or, hi, I'm new here, you know, let me tell you all how it's done. Anything like that that, uh, that you're encroaching upon uh, all these people who've already been meeting for you know, months or years beforehand, um, even if you are super amazing, if no one knows that, they're just going to think that you're... Yeah. So you've got to build trust. Gotta build are trust. you guys talking yeah. about the WordPress right. meetups? Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's relationship-based. All yeah. business, and especially WordPress, it's relationship-based. And work from a place of abundance. I say this time and time again in the panel, when I do stuff. There is plenty of work. Don't work from places. Just because David gets work or Lockdown Design gets a gig doesn't mean I won't. You know, there is plenty of work. You know, you'll find your you'll find clients. Just be patient, build community, be honest. I gotta go. <laughs> All right, Aloha. Keep going. So, Dustin. Oh, I'm next. Yeah, um, so Always I was gonna say I was gonna say the same thing, but I was gonna go more along the line from what Adam said. Um, there is so much work out there; it is unbelievable when it comes to to WordPress. But I I I highly encourage people to go um, be helpful first. You know, I got my start by searching for the hashtag WordPress um, and how to WordPress and help WordPress on Twitter, and I would just go in and I would. Ask people if they figured out what the problem was, and you know, in 140 characters at a time, I would slowly build that relationship. And that first customer that I had was um, somebody they wanted to move their side, they wanted to move their widget area from the bottom of their theme to the sidebar of their theme. And I was very new into WordPress. I'm like, oh, that's no problem. I can do that in an hour's time. Fifty dollars. It's all done. Well, like ten hours later, I finally had it fixed. Well, that long story theme. short, <clears throat> that 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 person that I started working with ended up, um, I started working with her a lot and I probably made $10,000 from her over the course of that contract that we had together. So she knew that I was, <clears throat> I, mean, I, was I mean, I was able to f follow through with what I did. I explained it took much longer than I thought, but here's, I'm still only going to charge you what I quoted and just building that trust in that relationship really helped a lot. And um, so that's, that's some of my, my advice, you know, start start blogging, start just giving away free information about WordPress, and you know, people will come to you and they'll ask you for your advice, and they'll want you to pay pay. They want to pay you for what you can do with WordPress. Who's <laughs> <laughs> doing that, that, Adam? I figured that was good. That was good. So we waited the whole up? hour for that. <laughs> I guess we'll finish up with Kim and then Sally. Okay. 
Sure. Um, you know, my my customers are not in my local community. Um, I they those have tended for me to be my most challenging customers. You know, so I think it's really important for you to get clear on who you want to work with and what 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 audience you want to serve because and and that's where I spend my time. Um, and so I and again, I think there's a lot of opportunity in WordPress that's not necessarily just around building websites. I think documentation is a great opportunity. I think there's a lot of training opportunities out there. So you have to get clear on what your business looks like. Nice. <laughs> so a lot you get, new, new there's a lot of unique niches, whether it's like politics into WordPress or even podcasters into WordPress. A lot of podcasters don't know how to do WordPress. Has anyone uh, yet seen, uh, I just saw this yesterday, uh, the userisdrunk.com? No. <laughs> no okay, so this that. guy, uh, he must have some of on the perfect business model. Uh Pay him 150 bucks or more if you want to choose what he drinks. He will get drunk and then review your website for you. Uh, you know, <laughs> with the brilliant. idea that it should be so easy that a drunk can use it. Um, he's already a professional, you know, UX uh, person. He has a, you know, his sterling resume and everything. But it doesn't matter as much as you can pay someone to get drunk and record themselves looking at your website. That's good. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so, mine's, mine's going to be a user, user is stoned. <laughs> so, I mean, how are there not going to be variations of this? The user, right. sh the user shot up. Right. The user's on the mess. Kim, um, Kim, uh, first, real fast, finishing up, Kim, do we cut you off there? Because that's sorry. true. You do, um, everyone's talking local, and you do talk in your podcast, Lace, about a different approach. I do, and my audience, you know, I just, and the connections and the relationship that I've built has, a lot of it's been online through through social media or in groups and masterminds, and, you know, I like information marketing, I like doing a lot of the training and teaching, and so while I do site work, it's not the core of my business, and I want to go spend time where my, my clients are, where my audience is, not, you know, it's, that that's just works, works for me, you know, and, and I think it's finding your unique voice and how you show up in WordPress. I, I do think there's a lot of opportunities outside site development. Right. Like I said, I think for po a lot of podcasters, I think the WordPress platform is actually a challenge for them in some aspects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had 14 students in a one-on-one -on -one class. I mean, every semester for the past four years, I teach this class. I've never—I'm unfortunate, but you know, I go into it's basic one-on-one, -on -one and I just barely spoke about you know a permalink last night, and like half the class was like, "Whoa, permalink!" You know, <laughs> it's crazy. We take so, it for so granted that what we know. So, Sally, we'll finish it up, and we'll uh, I'll call it a month for the okay. uh, Teutonic Meetup WordPress. So, further finding clients things. Um, one thing that I did more of early on was participate in the LinkedIn WordPress forum, answering people's questions, and that got me the attention of uh, O'Reilly, who had me... Uh, do act as technical reviewer on their um, missing manual for WordPress. Uh, and then another thing I did was teach classes through Media Bistro. And the marketing they did for that got me a lot of people inquiring about work in addition to people taking the classes. And sometimes the people who took the classes uh, have also come back for, for work. And those are people from all over the place, but I, I find that you know if, if I participate in something locally like the meetup, I end up with clients who are not necessarily local clients, but they have come in part through my local connections. 
That's interesting. Hey, Dustin, I lied. I, I've got to ask you this since you have the number one WordPress site. Has uh, you work? Your main business is not you work as a team in a group. How has your podcast helped you with WordPress, other than people knowing you? Um, I think it's it's really interesting for me because I haven't shifted my podcast at all since I started at Automatic, and Automatic is 100% focused on WordPress.com. And so, like, my day job, I get to tell people about how to use WordPress.com and, and how to configure their themes. And I know that everything is in a controlled environment because we control all aspects of WordPress.com. People can't upload themes or plugins and stuff like that. Um, but I see that my podcast gives me that reason, that excuse to get back into the WordPress space and figure out, okay, what are people struggling with and how can we do it with WordPress? Um, I do monthly webinars where I get to dive into like, you know, do live video stuff where people have the opportunity to learn from me while I'm looking at my... Uh, <laughs> yes! <Yeah. I> don't. <laughs> right, so, um, but anyways, like, that's probably the biggest thing for me is I get the opportunity to um, just work with WordPress on a personal level to teach other people about it. So you haven't monetized it per se, but you... Well, I I had monetized it. Um, I was making I was making a good significant amount of money um, by running a consulting business, and I had some courses. But then I started with automatic, and my 100% focus is with automatic right now. I'm still like getting people on an email list and sending out autoresponders and stuff like that. Um, but that's not my primary goal right now is to make money with my. It's I mean, they they highly encourage each automatician to to spend time giving back to the community and while I'm not the best programmer in the world like and I can update documentation and stuff like that like this is my way to give back to the community to create free valuable resources that well, um, isn't it technically a conflict when I mean, you automaticians can't have a separate business that is in the same realm Right, right. Because right. I mean, essentially, like I could say, "Hey, I'm better than these other programmers. You can pay me five hundred dollars an hour because I work for WordPress." You know, which is right, not the right, you know, the right thing. So, um, so yeah, I basically just shut down all my clients and gave them to other people. And now I focus one hundred percent the time of helping people use WordPress.com. Well, it's six forty-two on the uh, West Coast right now. If yep. uh, anybody wanted to finish up, and uh, we'll all get on our way to. Uh, a dinner or to uh, setting up a gymnastics event. <laughs> a lot of equipment tonight. That was great. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah. Take care. We'll, we'll sign off. Nice. All right. Have a good evening, everyone. Uh, See ya. See ya. In San Diego, if you're going to San Diego. That sounds like fun. I wish, wish we could go down there. Yeah. Or Atlanta or Seattle. Nice. Seattle. Or uh, Miami. I'll be in Miami, maybe. Or Denver. Or Miami. See you, everybody. Aloha. Bye. <laughs> Oh, I like the dog. The dog's a good bye, too. <laughs>